Listening to Ghostly Talk. Baseball keeps the spirit of the past alive in more ways than one. Just about every clubhouse buzzes with stories of ghosts, curses, legends, superstitions, and eerie, unexplained events. Fans, too, have developed their own folklore about their favorite teams and players. Until now, these stories have never been collected. Our, uh, our next guest, Dan Gordon, he wrote Haunted Baseball, Ghosts, Curses, Legends, and Eerie Events, and his website is www.hauntedbaseball.com. Dan Gordon, welcome to Ghostly Talk. Hey, uh, how are you? <laughs> Pretty good, thank you. Obviously, baseball, when you say baseball, it, it just brings up so many memories, I know for me. I mean, I grew up... Uh, Pretty much the first half of my life was spent playing baseball, and that's what we did growing up. Oh, I, I played t-ball and got kicked off the team. Why? How do you get kicked off a yeah, How do you get off a t-ball team? I, I'm not very athletic. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I guess that's a testament to that. Yes. Oh, my. Yes, yes. I also played like football and got kicked off the team, but, you know. Well, there you have it. I know growing up, you know, going to going to the old Tiger Stadium and oh, stuff, Bonnie, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, there was nothing like that. I mean, Dan, I have to explain this. The first time I went to see a Tigers baseball game, and that was, you know, cool enough. It was like that was the same season the Tigers took the pennant in 84. 84. 84 Tigers. And I remember going there, and I saw my first Tigers game that season, and I got to watch. The minute I walked into the stadium, I watched Lance Parrish put one into the crowd. Mm-hmm. Remember, who was my idol growing up was Lance Parrish. Him in that red and black catcher's mitt. Uh, that, that's just he my memory. Gibson. You like Kirk Gibson? Mm-hmm. Kirk Gibson was pretty cool. He had temper on him, though. Yeah, and that's why I liked it. <laughs> hey, Dan, <laughs> feel, sorry, sorry, Dan, sorry. feel free to jump in anytime. <laughs> sorry, Dan. Little little I walk like down. Bird. Bird. Uh, was that? Is this, is this what happens when you start talking about uh, baseball and haunted baseball, Dan? Do people just start like, wow, boy, here's all my memories. <laughs> Every one of them from childbirth on. Shut up. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, well, haunted baseball, they can either do that or, or, or share, like, the ghost stories in their house, I get, like, one or the other. But usually, I mean, you know, people like the idea of the book, so I, I think it was kind of... Usually, I, I I love talking both subjects. So. Well, it caught my attention, obviously, because it's something really different. It's a, it's a really different take on the paranormal today. Most books you see a lot are just, you know, haunted Missouri or haunted Wisconsin, you know, and it's it's a collection of stories from that state. But this is a really specialized subject, though, and we're talking about just one thing here, a sport. That's uh, obviously baseball. Um, and we've heard all kinds of, I know I've heard all kinds of weird legends, and there's, you know, all the characters through the last century with baseball in the, in the, in the game, professional baseball, you know, the, the obvious ones, Babe Ruth, I mean, these prolific characters, these really boisterous and flamboyant people that played the game, they had to have left an impression on the environment, I think, somehow. Hence, haunted baseball, right, Dan? Right, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and not only that, but like, it, in baseball more than any other sport or, you know, maybe more than just about every other American institution, you know, people think about the past and they honor it and, and always, um, you know, they you know, even try to, you know, recreate it with the new style ballparks that are kind of, you know, have, you know, try to replicate, you know, past ballparks mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, there's so much comparison between past and present players and kind of an obsession with the past. 
Yeah, you hear that a lot, too. I mean, our we have our old Tiger Stadium, like I mentioned a second ago, and we have our new Tiger Stadium. It used to be, it used to be called Tiger Stadium. Now it's Comerica <laughs> Park. Comerica Park, which I think is ridiculous yeah. in its own right, but it used to be called Tiger. I mean, that was where the Detroit Tigers played their game at, and that's, you didn't have to hear about anything else. Uh, and that, that, that I know that, that, uh, that particular ballpark... Uh, there's all kinds of weird stuff people have talked about around there. Now, you, we talked before, and you didn't really hear about too many stories from Detroit. Let's get into some of these stories. I'd like to hear about some sightings. or I mean, I'd like to know where people are. Well, let, let's start with Abner Doubleday. Does he roam any of these parts? <laughs> wow. Damn. No, but he, he was actually kind of a spiritualist. Um, not many people know this, but he, he was. And, he, and, and also, um, the, uh, Arthur Spaulding, um, who basically was the one who decided, you know, basically that Abner Doubleday had founded the game, you know, when in fact it came out later on that he didn't, and it was just kind of a, a way to kind of claim that America had founded it. So, But, mm-hmm. like, one of the reasons that they knew each other or that he knew of him so well is because they both followed the same brand of spiritualism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, therefore, you know, it's just kind of a, his wife especially was really into that. So it was really um, kind of a neat connection. And, um yeah. Well, yes. Um, spiritualism is, of course, a um, it's a, a belief that people can communicate with mm-hmm. deceased. Yeah. And and yeah. everything spiritualism is uh, um, around based around that. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, one year ago on Easter, which was on a different day, but one year ago uh, last year Easter, Bonnie, Sean, and myself went to. Uh, Camp Chesterfield, mm-hmm. which is a spiritualism uh, like place, and and they and we went to their Sunday service, mm-hmm. uh, completely different from no, the totally. Easter services that we're used to on Easter Sunday. <laughs> uh, absolutely, completely different. But it was it was it's not a special day to them. Yeah. Uh, but it, it it definitely was a very special service. Um, so yeah, spiritualism is a very interesting uh, religion kind of thing. And yeah. and uh, so Abner Doubleday and uh, Spalding both believed that you could talk to the dead. Then mm-hmm. is essentially what's going on. Okay. Yeah, Spalding actually and his wife they actually moved out to kind of a compound or a, I forget the name of the person who was behind it, but um, you know I actually haven't. Looked at that for a while, but um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, and uh, so it's just kind of you know even like the uh, you know the the mythic or origins of the game have their own kind of you know spiritualistic ties. Yeah, um, good yeah. start. Good start. I, I'm digging this already. Mm-hmm. Let let's let's see about what when when you were researching. Okay, obviously you you had to go to several places and talk to a lot, lot, lot of people. The interviewing had to be ridiculous. The interviewing had to be insane. What really stands out in your mind? What's one of your favorite moments uh, uh, that that you found something out and and it just like struck a chord and said, wow, this is going to happen. This is the coolest book (laughs) ever. (laughs) Uh, I'd say it was the moment I stepped into my my first clubhouse and, and... you know, we, we had, uh, my co-author, Mickey Bradley, we, he, he and I, you know, had known each other for years, and we, we wanted to write something together, and um, this uh, came to mind because I've been writing on baseball for many years, and we're both diehard fans, and mm-hmm. and I had been wrote a book of Cape Cod ghost stories called Cape Encounters, uh, and I was just wondering whether baseball had this. So, you know, we were kind of kicking this around, but we just started sending out failures. We, we, we sent out, you know, surveys to players. We sent out basically about a thousand surveys oh my God. Uh, and we sent, got nothing back nothing at all oh. you know and we sent that we contacted the baseball hall of fame research lab we even went down there and went through their archives found nothing we i contacted uh, wp Kinsella, who wrote the book shoeless joe which became the movie field of dreams he'd never heard of an actual ghost story mm-hmm. so it was just you know we didn't know what to do so we just decided we were going to go down to spring training give it one last shot and I walked in, Mickey was in Arizona, I was in Florida, and I, I walked into the Baltimore Orioles clubhouse, and the first guy I spoke to was, uh, I had to ask for, request certain people because they wouldn't let you in unless you asked, you know, I'm going to interview Rick Dempsey. And if you, so mm-hmm. I mentioned Rick Dempsey, so I interviewed him mm-hmm. first, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, these stories are here. And then he started talking about the Benoit Hotel, the visiting team hotel stories, and 
a story concerning the Baltimore Orioles with several guys, uh, including Brian Roberts and, and uh, Jay Gibbons, all thought ghosts had, had been in their room. And then uh, other guys started talking about the ghosts of Yankee Stadium, and that's when it really – I guess that's, that was the moment. When, when they started talking about the ghosts of Yankee Stadium and that they thought it was a very real thing and, you know, even gave examples of moments where they thought the ghosts – uh, kicked in and helped out the Yankees or, you know, that they felt a sudden breeze or a change in temperature and then mm-hmm. something bizarre happened. Uh, you know, that that's yeah, that was really, I guess, the kicker. Let's, let's move on to Yankee Stadium here for a second. I mean, of all the stadiums, I mean, of course, Yankee Stadium, the New York Yankees, I mean, there's a lot of history there. That, that and Wrigley Field are going to be, like, my top two as far as, like, Big, big-time history and a lot of passion, mm-hmm. um, a lot yeah. of energy, a lot of everything that it takes to create a ghost story. Mm-hmm. So Yankee Stadium, what uh, uh, tantalize us? Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, it, it's just amazing how many guys throughout the game, play, ball players, think that that there's go- there are ghosts there. Some just talk about it kind of feeling it, you know, when they go through the tunnels, you know, there's really tunnels, and, and they're very aware you know, just about every player we spoke with said that the first time, the moment they stepped on the grass at Yankee Stadium, they felt goosebumps. They also said that about Tiger Stadium, too. Even Al Kaline, Hall of Famer, the Tigers, they told us that. But uh, with Yankee Stadium, they, you know, they said that, and they said that they they really felt so, like some, you know, they could feel the presence. But, but it, you know, it goes a lot further. And one of the, uh, you know, a lot of guys, you know, would say, like, oh, if you're looking for baseball ghost stories, they said, go talk to the Yankees. And, of course, you know, we ended up doing that, mm-hmm. too, and, and got a ton of guys, uh, you know, Derek Jeter, uh, Jason Giambi, Alex Rodriguez, all, basically the, the whole lineup, practically, of, you know, superstars, you know, telling us that that they think the ghosts help out sometimes, that at certain moments of the game that uh, something was, you know, that a ball, Derek Jeter said sometimes that they'll help the ball go over the fence when it might not have otherwise, or will help a ball fall in. Alex Rodriguez told us that the ghosts give uh, Yankee Stadium, give the Yankees the best home field advantage in the game. <laughs> and, you know, they give even more concrete stuff, too. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, they talk about, like, Buck, Buck Showalter, the former manager of the Yankees, said that he would sleep in the clubhouse late at night when he had a day game following a night game. And, and he would actually hear somebody coming into the clubhouse sometimes, you know, he had doors opening and closing, somebody walking around. And he said after a while he just thought it was the babe coming in after a late night of carousing. <laughs> yeah, so, the, you know, but, but the, you know, they have to talk, you know, Mike Gallego, he's currently, uh, he played with the Yankees and with a bunch of other teams. And he, he's, uh, you know, with the uh, uh, Colorado Rockies you know, as the coach. But he, he thought that uh, the batting cage, when he walked by them sometimes, he would hear people in it taking cuts when nobody was there. You know, taking swings. Yeah, swings. Whatever, yeah. you know. And you could hear the whooshing sound oh, of the bat then, kind of. That's that's what he was hearing. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of guys talk about, like, similar things, like looking over their shoulder. You know, Yankee, Yankee Stadium has Monument Park, and, and they talk about that. I mean, and some guys just cite, like, certain games where they played at Yankee Stadium, and they thought that the ghost actually was there and, and did something. Chipper Jones talked about... Uh, with the Braves, he talks about the 1996 World Series where the Braves played the Yankees, and he thought that the Ghost uh, definitely were helping the Yankees. He said, you know, he said to us, he, he, his quote to us was, "It wasn't Derek Jeter batting. Sometimes it was, sometimes it was somebody else." So I mean, they, they you know, players really believe that, and and you know, it, a lot of people, anyone who's been to Yankee Stadium, of course, you can kind of feel that history in the air, but. Well, I'm wondering in general too. I mean, I want a lot of the stories you've, you mentioned, at least for the uh, the Yankees, have been that they've uh, seemed to help them out in a lot of situations. I was thinking of like scenarios in my mind, like where some type of paranormal encounter or phenomenon may may give them a problem. And for example, a fly ball goes out in the field, and maybe maybe the maybe the fielder hears, "I got it," and so he just. <laughs> Maybe some phantom voice comes out from from nowhere, and he pulls. You know, when you hear "I got it," I mean, I, this is from playing baseball. When I hear "I got it," my mitt goes down, and I walk. You know, I back away. Right? Uh, yeah. I wonder if something. Did you ever have any experience like that? That you know, anybody ever from any team had an experience like that? No. The, the, the only thing that I can think of is is uh, there was a pop up in the minors. Uh, Bruce Suter, who was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. 
Uh, he was at one of the – there were many guys, actually, that went on to great careers that were at that game. It was a game in Key West, and the ball was popped up into the air, and nobody saw it come down. And nobody – and there was like a – the you know, both sides, both teams, like, stormed onto the field, you know, because they were arguing because the guy – who hit it, you know, he, he rounded first, mm-hmm. couldn't, no one could see the ball, all the outfielders were looking around, then he went to second, and he, you know, they just waved him around, and, he, and it was just a, you know, bizarre argument that ensued, and like <laughs> many, many guys swear that, you know, something paranormal happened there, and, you know, some guys said that it was the ghost, or like, of, uh, like Ernest Hemingway, you know, kind of jokingly, <laughs> but they thought maybe a ghost is someone down there, or, you know, Gary Templeton was played many years with the Cardinals, and he thought that maybe it was a, a you know UFO or something. Mm. You know, but uh, but actual, I got it. I, that would be a really good good one, but we didn't hear. It. But I mean, uh, Jeff Francoeur. Uh, you know, a lot of guys talk about the uh, the Wrigley Stadium, uh, Wrigley Field, as as Doug mentioned, and yeah. you know, it, it does have so much history, and there's so many. Uh, you know, of course, there's the curses there, and there's a lot of ghost stories there. But Jeff Francoeur of the Braves tells us he thought that, that you know that there's a curse against the visiting team and that sometimes the, you know, the, the wind will stop blowing in or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, weird freak occurrence will happen and the wind will stop blowing. I, yeah, I see what you're saying. They, I'm just... Well, that's interesting because um, it, so far does, it, is, it's always uh, to the advantage of the home team, all these stories. Which is kind of interesting because it, it's that sort of would fall into parapsychological thinking. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's the home team. If they're obviously the home team, they're the ones with the advantage. It sounds like so far. I mean, that's that's with New York, you know, right? With the Yankees, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you haven't again. You haven't really heard of any. I mean, the one scenario I just threw out there because I thought it was funny. <laughs> you know? But I'm wondering if there's. I say that. Go ahead. Dan. That, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go I, ahead, Dan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just going to say that one thing that the players do talk about in terms of of the paranormal going against them is, you know, play, we've all heard of the baseball gods, you know, the, the saying, don't upset the baseball oh, gods. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's something that the media talks about a lot and fans, you know, we wear our rally caps or, or whatever. But players actually, you know, think of that as something very real. And, you know, they, they talk about it. That, that it's, it's something, it's a real phenomenon. I mean, they, they call them the baseball gods, but, you know, who knows what it really is. Yeah. But they, they say that, you know, if, you know, of course, you know, the most common things are like, you know, don't talk to a pitcher during a no-hitter, but don't talk about a no-hitter while it's going on, mm-hmm. or it's going to, you know, the next guy up is going to line one the first, you know, the center field, you know. Um, but, the, you know, the things like uh, don't, don't get too cocky. That's that's one of the most common ones oh, that players yeah. talk about. Or oh, the baseball gods will strike you. Uh-huh. And, you know, guys are very serious when they say that. They say that, you know, wow, you know, one time I, I started to get that, and, yeah, that's what happened, you know. Or they say that, you know, sometimes the baseball gods, you know, if you do respect the game, the baseball gods will help you out. So, yeah, they say, I guess the baseball gods are the ones that might sound like the, the punisher. Well, yeah, it's not, that sounds more along a lot of superstition. With the yeah, game. and, well, like, for yeah. example, the, the one superstition that I'm extremely familiar with is um, – uh, unfortunately, it's not about baseball, but it's about uh, hockey. Mm-hmm. The when the Red Wings, because I'm you know, obviously we're from Detroit, right? Hockey. So, well, we were so, hockey town. So well, yeah, now we're sort of whatever we are. But but uh, when the Red Wings do make it into the playoffs, they don't shave their be- they don't shave mm-hmm. their beards. They yeah. they 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 grow the entire playoff season because mm-hmm. uh, they think it's unlucky. To shave, to shave while you know while they're in the playoffs, and so by the end of it, yeah, they look pretty they look ragged. Horrible. They look yeah. rough. Yeah, and I've seen. They look that. really yeah. rough toward the end of it, and uh, uh, so so superstitions mean a lot in sports, especially baseball. I know I just my past experience, Dan. We had little things that we used to do too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just little yeah. little things here and there. You know, we. Uh, I'm trying to think of something. Uh, it was so many years ago, but I know, I know, we did weird things and stuff like that. Washed and made sure our baseball bats were clean. That was a big thing we used to always do. No dirty baseball bats. That was a physical thing, but it was also like you know, you know, a clean bat, clean all that stuff. It makes for you know a better team. You're going to play better and things like that. It was kind of a superstition we had back in the day. Uh, yeah, I bet you started that. Yeah, I did start that. I thought you might. I was I, yeah. the kind of thing that my anal retentive yeah just kicked in at a young age. Pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and you just, like, spread it Had around. Had to work that one in, Ninja Doug. Instead of jump all over that Well, one. it's coming up to break, and, and, I, and I, had, <laughs> I had to do something to, mm. uh, you no. know, to diss you. I'm sorry. I, no, I it's cool. It. No, I didn't it's totally cool. 
Um, yeah, why don't, well, you, we're going to take a break here in a couple of seconds. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's, uh, those sound like a lot of superstitions the game has, and I've heard about a lot of those. You know, you mentioned Field of Dreams, too. I totally forgot about that film. That's a, kind of like a weird... What a great movie. Good film, but oh, kind of yeah. like a paranormal yeah. film, and it's yeah. about baseball, you yeah. know? Uh, a whole yeah. spiritual thing about baseball, and there is, I think, that spiritual well, aspect there, of it. there's that. There's also, um, and I never saw it, but there's Angels in the Outfield. I've never even seen that. I've, I've heard of that I never movie. Saw um, so, I, I don't know, maybe we can talk a little bit about that and what... I, I, well, I want to hear some more stories, Dan. And some more stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a ton of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to take a break a little bit early? Just go to break. No, no, let's start with one story to tantalize us, and then we'll go to break. All um, right, Dan, the, the floor is yours, man. We're hitting you now. Okay, uh, Cleveland Indians, uh, they, they believe that their f- former trainer, Jimmy Warfield, came back as a bird and occasionally still visits them, uh, in the form of bird to look over the team. He, he died in the clubhouse in 2002, and, and many he was a really beloved uh, trainer, and, and you know many of the you know great players, current stars of the game, credit him with you know basically uh, saving their career and mentoring them. And guys like Jim Tomey, Sandy Alomar, uh, Jr., and uh, t- tons of got uh, Kenny Lofton, lots, lots of uh, stars, and you know they all talk about when he passed away, a, a bird showed up on the field and like. You know, sat right there where Jimmy Warfield used to sat, and then like would walk around close to Jim Tomey, and Jim Tomey and Jimmy Warfield were buddies, and and just did that for six days. And then during the memorial service for the team, uh, the bird, according to many players we interviewed, that the bird uh, flew around the bases, circled the bases, and then flew off into the night and wasn't seen again. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of a cool little story. But you know, I, I swear we talked to you know several dozen players. We quote a lot of them in the book that. That talk about that whole experience and the, you know that we just went through Cleveland definitely. last weekend. Actually, we yes, we cut yeah. right by by uh, right right through the whole city there, and he comes back oh. as a bird. Well, I, you know, and and I think that there, there could be something to that. I mean, mm-hmm. not not that he came well, that back. Well, that ties in the I don't know that he came back as a bird, or or maybe sent a bird, or something like that. But yeah. but I mean, the, the timing there is absolutely impeccable. He hung around for six days. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. uh, circled the bases and flew off. That's actually a really, really beautiful and romantic story. Yeah. Um. In in obviously a tragic circumstance, mm-hmm. but you know it it, yeah. it took a tragic circumstance to to get that that um, beautiful story. I, I think it's yeah. amazing. It is a very cool story. Why don't we take a break now? I, I think it's a good idea. At the bottom of the hour. Let's take a quick break. Dan, hang on the line. Don't leave us just yet. I got to think of more things to we bug you about. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to do this, but I, I just, I'm in, I'm in a frisky mood. Oh, are you? Yes. Well, thanks. Yes. That's great. Yes. I can't Bonnie, wait to, let's go first. I can't wait to kitchen. go to break now. Yes. <laughs> All right, yeah. Haunted Baseball we're talking about with uh, Mr. Dan. The website is www.hauntedbaseball.com. Load it up. Check we'll it see, out. We'll see you right after uh, the other side of this break. Ghostly Talk! The American Ghost Society's 12th Annual Haunted American Conference will be held June 20th and 21st in Decatur, Illinois. Hosted by Troy Taylor at the Haunted Lincoln Theater. Speakers include Patrick Burns, John Zappis, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and Keith Age. Also, Linda Adams, Luke Nelborski, Dale Kazmarek, Stephen Lachance, and Psychic Ken Bird. Don't miss this two-day event with special investigations and tours sold on a first-come, first-served basis. To register, guys, go to www.prairieghost.com slash conference.html or just call 1-888-446-7859. Broadcasting live from this event will be the Ghostly Talk radio crew with Nathan S. and Sean B. from the Ghost Man and Demon Hunter Show. With us, a special live performance on the Lincoln stage from Spectrum Men, the Atlanta horror punk band made up of real-life ghost hunters. Admission remains the same as 1997. $50 per person. It's the 12th Annual Hunted American Conference in Decatur, Illinois, with Troy Taylor. Register now. Welcome to Paranormal News on Ghostly Talk Radio. Paranormal News is produced by Genesis Creations Entertainment. I'm your host, Bonnie Vance. An American schoolboy appears to have developed a special talent for crashing computers. Joseph Falcentano, a 12-year-old from New York State, has taken on the moniker Magneto Man after continuously causing his school's computers to stop working.
Here's this story from Metro.co.uk. Middle school teachers noticed that whenever Joe Falcitano worked on a computer, he'd have all kinds of problems. I don't even have the caps lock, son. See? I got an email saying your son keeps, uh, you know, breaking computers. He's calling himself Magneto Man. <laughs> computer lab teacher Marie Yurden tried rebooting and switching Joe to other computers, but the problems followed him. See? I broke it. This always happens. So she tried an anti-static wrist strap connected to a grounding device. It worked. I really think something is in his body chemistry, his makeup, something in him that causes the computer to go haywire. But electrostatics expert Kelly Robinson says there's no such thing as magnetic or electric people. He volunteered to investigate. If Joe has more problems than his classmates or than other members of his family, to me, that says there's something special and unique about uh, either Joe's clothing or his shoes. He measured Joe's conductivity and static charge before and after using the computer. He even tested Joe's sneakers. While the source of the problem was not evident, Robinson is convinced it has to do with static electricity. I guess I'm not surprised today. That's just the nature of, uh, of static. Uh, this uh, intermittent problems are difficult to diagnose and difficult to solve. and. And, you know, that's why I have a business. Robinson says he'd need to follow Joe for a while to determine why he generates so much static. But for now, Joe still claims the title of Magneto Man. How many computers did I broke? I broke, like, 12. I'm Brad Closer. A famous American actor Zac Efron was scared out of his wits when he apparently spotted a ghost on the set of the new movie Me and Orson Welles. The high school musical star, who is the highest paid teenage actor and who has his own guards to keep him safe from screaming girls, was quite shaken with the experience. Apparently, he and his co-star Claire Danes are convinced that they saw a ghost while playing a scene in the Gaiety Theater, which is one of the most haunted places in the country, The Sun reported. The crew on the set have been having a good time at their expense, seeking out every opportunity to pull their legs about the figure that they saw outside the window. This next story comes from Alan Benner of the Welland Tribune in Welland, Ontario, Canada. Is the museum haunted? Paranormal investigators will be looking into strange happenings. The staff at Welland Historical Museum are pretty sure a spirit resides there. I don't know who he is, but he likes to move things around, says Penny Morningstar, the museum's assistant curator. None of us have gotten the sense that he's harmful, but he's very mischievous, whoever he is. A rack of old clothing in a storage upstairs at the museum is covered with a plastic sheet to keep dust off of it. A few times, Morningstar has left the museum in the evening, certain no one else was in the building, and the plastic sheet was in place covering the clothing. When she returned the next morning, she had found the plastic sheet pulled from the clothing rack and left on the floor at the far end of the room. There is no wind up there. Someone has moved it, she said. That's one of the many examples of unexplained occurrences at the museum, which served the city as a library for over 80 years. For more information on the stories on Paranormal News, please go to www.sdparanormal.com and go to the Paranormal News feed page. As a side note, I wanted to mention after completing the story on Magneto Man, my microphone went completely dead. So do you think Magneto Man had anything to do with this failure? I'm just saying. I have had my own problems with microphones. I always have to be hardwired or the sound will drop out. I have heard that other mediums have had this problem too. We feel for you, Magneto Man, and enjoy your fame. Thanks for joining us today on Paranormal News. If you'd like to sponsor or advertise on Paranormal News, please send us an email at paraxnews at aol.com. You can listen to Paranormal News on Ghostly Talk Radio at www.ghostlytalk.com. Please check out their other fine shows. Or you can join us at paranormalnews.mypodcast.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Bonnie Vent. Interested in ghosts, UFOs? How about the occult? Are you psychic? Would you like to find out? 
Well, if you're intrigued by the world's curiosities and all that is paranormal, then Paralore.com is a place for you. Create your own profile, start a photo album, write a blog, or just hang out and watch countless hours worth of paranormal videos while chatting with other Paralore members. Who knows? You could win a prize or two if you're quick and brave enough. It's all here, and it's all free. Visit www.paralore.com and join today. Again, membership is free, and we know you won't be disappointed. Paralore.com. Unlock your mind. You're listening to Ghostly Talk with Doug, Scott L., and Bonnie. Haunted Baseball. The Great American Pastime. We're talking to Dan Gordon about Haunted Baseball. What's the website again, Doug? The website is www.hauntedbaseball.com. And, of course, that um, before that, he had written uh, Cape, Cape Encounters uh, at Cape Cod Ghosts. Dot com. Mm-hmm. So he's been collecting uh, ghost stories and and weird stories like that for a while now. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the 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 second book that uh, um, you know about the topic. So Dan, we want to hear more stories about about haunted baseball. I want I really want to hear some more of these things. So I really want to leave this to you. We can go anywhere in the country you want to. So I'm leaving. Just just nail it. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, fly everyone out to L.A. Uh, <laughs> Dodger Stadium is, is loaded with ghost stars. Loaded oh, with really? ghosts, according to a lot of the workers there. Okay. Uh, one thing we did is we interviewed a ton of workers everywhere. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the stadium workers and, and guys who work the night shift, uh, the security guards, uh, vendors, because a lot of vendors actually have to stay after the game and do inventory. And, mm-hmm. and you know, just even a lot of the front office folks in it. And, you know, they talk about ghosts at Fenway, Yankee Stadium, Wrigley, uh, uh, Petco Park uh, in San Diego. Dodger Stadium, though, it seemed to have, like, you know, just a, a ton of stories. And um, they talk about some of the things that I like. The, the old-time work is there talk about seeing uh, – now, Dodger Stadium was built on Chavez Ravine, which is, like, uh, a hill that overlooks – one a set of hills that overlooks the city, and, and there's cliffs coming off the parking lots, and some of the – Old-time security workers talked about seeing uh, a woman leaping off the cliff uh, dressed in a white dress, kind of like a La Llorona, like a weeping woman mm-hmm. type figure, and uh, jumping there. But they also talk about, like, hearing footsteps a lot in, in the ballpark, getting their shoulders tapped, uh, seeing someone walking across the field. Uh, you know, just a ton of stories, and, and, you know, some of them kind of bone-chilling. And a lot of workers, they won't work by themselves <laughs> in that ballpark. They have, you know, they have to, have to buddy up. That kind of thing. Did they uh, get a description of who? Like you, you mentioned they said that there was some. They saw somebody walk, someone walking across the field. Did they get any kind of description on what? The, did they get any type of dress on that person? Were they dressed in a uniform or what do they look like? Uh, it was just made kind of a hazy, misty white formation, and you know the, the whole ballpark was. You know the lights go off, and the, these workers are basically working with kind of these really dim fire exit lights, and that's about it. And, and they got like their own, you know, flashlights, and they they're just. And, you know, one of the guys who said that, he's actually a, a L.A. police officer now, but he was, uh, at the time, he was a, a stands captain, which means he basically ran a, ran a stand and, and, you know, sold, you know, hats and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so he had a, a laser pointer. So he said, you know, he, he said over his, he was there for like 12 years, and he said over his time there, he, would, he saw that dozens of times, and he would point his laser pointer at it sometimes. And just after a while, he just got, you know, you know just accepted it, you know, mm. Something about them, but some of the footsteps certainly, you know, chilled up. You know, gave some people. They yeah. talk about hearing. Uh, a woman is usually more often mentioned than anything else, and I don't know if it's you know, you know, Dodger Stadium's only about 50 years old, and it's but it's built over a Mexican American community that got got evicted, and uh, some people were forcibly removed when they first cleared the land, and oh, really? uh, when they actually built the ballpark, that yeah, more people, you know, squatters were still. You know, pulled out, and there were tons of protests. It just wasn't a very happy situation, and, and 
Mm. You know, some of the guards there, the, the guys that talk about it are actually Mexican-American themselves and kind of feel sensitive about that and wonder if that has something to do with it. Well, yeah, you wonder if maybe somebody put a curse on that land also. It sounds like yeah. that, that may have happened if somebody just said, hey, you know, like you just said, it was an ugly situation. Um, all that, Just all that negativity alone may have done something, too. Uh, being yeah. being taken off, taken out of your home. I, I can I can hardly. I hope that they weren't forcibly removed. I can hardly. Well, they think were. That. Yeah, there were pictures of people getting carried out. Really? You know, like you know, you know, one officer holding their feet, the other their arms, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah it was pretty. You know, it was, it was you know the Dodgers. You know, they, they were. They, it was very controversial when they when they built on that. You know, they, they had a city referendum. It was kind of really, uh, you know, some ugly politics because you know there was a, a long time community. It was also uh, you know, they also had uh, different other ethnic groups there. There's actually the first uh, Jewish cemetery in in L. A. was built on that site, and and it's still there. Some of the tomb markers they moved uh, supposedly moved all the graves. But like the workers there, they also hang out at, the, at one of the tombs late at night after the games. They then they call it the Alamo. They say, oh, we're, you know, let's meet at the Alamo, and you know, it's kind of uh, you know they sit there and they hang out and drink, have drinks. So it's kind of a uh, you know, there's a lot going on there. A lot of strange things. Well, I don't think those yeah. are ghosts. I just think that's karma, Dan. I think I think uh, somebody's. I think they. That, I mean, it sounds like that was just an ugly situation. And it, I mean, I don't yeah. want to get into a, you know a political discussion about it, but it sounds like if these people were forcibly removed from their homes, you know, if you believe in karma, you know, maybe some. Well, you didn't mention anything negative happened to anybody. I mean, people are just have, you know seeing things, hearing things. Yeah, some know. guys get really scared. I mean, you know, the the they were, there's these vaults down in the. You know, Dodge, you know, because it's built into a hill, the, you know, the tunnels, and it was really cool seeing all these, you know, the tunnels go way down deep into the hill, and, and they have, some of them are blocked off, but they have vaults, and, and the guards tell me about, you know, there's certain places where they keep merchandise, but also places where they keep some of the old, you know, Brooklyn, before the L.A. Dodgers, they were the Brooklyn Dodgers, they yeah, have yeah. all these historical things, and, and they keep them down in these vaults, and, and guys that are in there say that sometimes they hear somebody calling out their name, or or the lights will be flashing on and off and that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I guess it's not, you know, totally negative. It's just something that, you know, yeah. kind of spooks them. Who who was unwilling to talk about anything? Like, did somebody, like, when you came up and said, hey, I want to talk about ghosts, do you, you know any ghosts? And then did somebody go, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> what? Fudge Rodriguez, he, he, you know, certain guys, especially some of the Latin players, uh, were... Just uh, so spooked by the the, the topic, and uh, actually, Pudge, we we did a chapter on, on ashes because you know that's one of the things that goes on all the time in the game is people deposit their ashes. Fans do sometimes they they'll have sprinkled players' ashes. Yeah, that's uh, true. The ghost of Charlie Grimm in, in at Wrigley Field, he's a former manager, supposedly, you know, caught, you know they they claim trace it to, to his ashes being left deposit in left field, uh-huh. but, you know, we asked, we were uh, chasing a lead that turned out to be a dud, which was uh, somebody, uh, some players had told us that Joker Marchant, uh, the uh, the city official in Lakeland, uh, who would be at their spring training site for the Tigers, is named after, is buried on the home plate, and, you know, there have been many other rumors of, like, people being buried on the home plate or the ashes or something, mm-hmm. so, you know, we were asking around, and we asked Pudge about it, and he says, you know, he said, well, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that at all. You know, he was kind of really freaked out, you know. <laughs> you know, because I guess if you're a ball player, you don't want to be, think, you know, every time you're at bat thinking, or especially the catcher, you know. Right. Well, yeah, what if you in the home base? Jeez, be beneath me here. This is pretty scary. Yeah, that, that would kind of creep me out, too, I think, knowing that there may be a corpse. <laughs> Under, yeah, underneath my, underneath my yeah. office, so to say. I mean, that's their, that's some people, you know, that's their office. That's where they work at. And I and well, we did find that grave. Yeah, so I mean, his grave elsewhere. So I mean, that was one of the rumors that turned out to be false. So what? <laughs> but, yeah, but still, 
Yeah. What about the other way? Like who? Or, or, or I know. I, I happened to. We we were uh, investigating the uh, Masonic Temple downtown, yeah. and the the maintenance guy. You know, he met us at the you know pretty much in the waiting room door kind of thing, and he goes, "I don't believe in any of that stuff. Absolutely not." And then he he chased us down though while we were on our tour, not once, not twice, but three times to tell us weird things that has happened to him <laughs> in the Masonic Temple. So he doesn't believe it at all. No, no, no. But he said all these weird things happen. Um, did, did anybody like when when you when you approach the subject? Um, you know, hey, we're we're writing a book on ghosts of of you know baseball, and and they go, oh no. Oh, there's nothing like that, and yet they had all these wonderful stories. Anybody like that? Yeah, uh, big time. A, a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, when I mentioned the ghost of Jimmy Warfield. I mean, the, the idea of the bird, the bird on the field, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Omar Vizquel was with the Indian Knights with the Giants, and he, but he, he, uh, he was like one of those guys that you know. The first two times we approached him, and like, oh, I don't believe in ghosts. But then you know, we came back because we were, once we started discovering this story about. Warfield, so, you know, he's on, he was on the Indians, and, you know, he said, yeah, that was real, and he, like, went on to say, you know, I really, you know, truly thought either that was a message from Jimmy Warfield or that was his ghost, and, you know, so, I mean, guys, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't think, you know, I don't know, they just don't process it or why, some guys are just really, some guys, you know, as, as you say, like, some guys will, you know, say they don't believe it, but then they'll have these stories, and, you know, it's just, these stories are so widespread in the game, too, and, and, Definitely, certain hotels players are really spooked at. You know, they say they don't believe in ghosts, but they they won't stay in a certain hotel room or they won't stay in a certain wing because they they've heard other guys, other ball players uh, had something happen to them there. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Well. Well, let's just move on to a different place. Did anybody? Oh, yeah, well, did well, anybody? Right, right. First of all, did anybody ever say like they they felt they like couldn't? sleep at night or something woke them up and they were up all night and then they had to play a game the next day and it was just absolutely <laughs> terrible so they'll is, is that pretty much the reason they won't oh. stay in these certain rooms and oh yeah that absolutely yeah guys like say I, I i swear i've talked to hundreds of guys that that say they'll, they'll sleep with the lights on or they're that they're looking around the dark or they jump into the covers as quickly as they can and you know, there's one of the really funny stories we got is uh, a couple guys in the minor leagues. Uh, Luis Figueroa was one of them who uh, they, they were in Scranton, which has a really notoriously haunted hotel. And there was an earthquake that happened that night. And they're both Latin players, and they have machetes, like you know, which was from their home countries. You know, that's kind of a way to, you know, that originally to you know cut cane, but also to protect yourself. Yeah. And they like grabbed the machetes and they wanted the sheets. You know, clutching it, but like actually, yeah. I mean, like Michael Young, uh, of, you know, the all-star second baseman with the Texas Rangers, told us that he and his roommate uh, were, you know, they stayed in the haunted room that they knew it was haunted, but they they were stuck in it. They were, you know, the first they just gotten onto the team. Uh, this was Double A Tulsa Drillers. So they drew the uh, short and, straw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys exactly. are not and, Sorry. You know, and, and you know, and, and all the players knew about it. They were scared. Uh, many, many guys in the game have told us about that hotel. Carlos Pena told us it's like a horror movie. Walk going into this hotel. It's a hotel in Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. And and when they went to, uh, uh, they ended up staying there. And you know that, you know, shortly after they, you know, dozed off. Uh, Andy Kratt, uh, Michael's roommate, wakes up and he, you know, he swears he sees uh, this dark, shadowy mass in, in the corner of the room, kind of moving. And it's actually what another player told us who had stayed in the same room that, that the exact same thing happened to him. And he, he like fled, you know, fled the room and, you know, which also happens to a lot of players that abandoned the room. Anyway, uh, so they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they uh, so Michael says he actually got up and put a. Uh, uh, took a can of shaving cream and he put it on a, a crucifix on the door and said, wow. you know, it's good enough for you because i got to get some sleep tonight. <laughs> but, yeah. But actually, then they, you know, throughout the night, at least according to Andy Pratt, they both saw more stuff and were just totally freaked out. And, you know, it just happens a lot. You know, it's just part of the, you know, hotel life of players. And, and you know, in many hotels, well, the Vinoy Hotel in St. Petersburg, uh, you know, we talked to at least a dozen players that had first-hand stories there and lots of guys who had, uh, you know, team stories. And, you know, other other hotels include, like, the Western St. Francis in St. France uh, where uh, the elevators thought to be haunted, or at least, uh, you know, the, the veterans used to tease the rookies about it, but the veterans of believers themselves and 
C.C. Uh, Sabathia of the Indians uh, thought a ghost uh, uh, got into an elevator, got into the elevator when they're going down to the lobby, and basically changed directions. The elevator, you know, started, went actually went up two floors, even though they pressed the lobby. So just kind of bizarre things like that, and. Uh-huh. We hear it all the time, guys saying like, "Oh, I, I, I left the room. I had to change rooms." Or, or wow. You know. <laughs> for <laughs> for some thing. for some reason, I'm I'm interested in uh, our neighbors to the north. We've got the Toronto Blue Jays. Anything yeah. out of that team um, at all? Yeah, yeah. There's a, a really cool story. Uh, Miguel Batista. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. He's a uh, um, you know, from the Dominican Republic, and he's written, he's actually an author, and he does a lot of uh, writes poetry, just kind of like a Renaissance man for like a player. But he, he's also, you know, his grandmother was a Taino Indian in the Dominican, and, and so he's really connected to the Native American community, and he plays the Native American flute. And uh, one day he was uh, playing it underneath the stands uh, in the in the Rogers Center, and uh, you know, before a game, just to kind of unwind and clear his mind, and, and all of a sudden he says, uh, uh, ghost, uh, you know, something just swatted the, the flute out of his hand, and it just, like, flew, like, ten feet, and the mouthpiece on it, that's called the, um, the bird, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. broke off, and, you know, he was uh, totally freaked out, you know, so I, like, you know, he didn't know what what happened, you know, so he, he went up to a security guard, you know, one of the old-time security guards, and he says, hey, you know, you should, this is what just happened to me, and... The guard said to him, oh, well, the ballpark is built over a Native American burial ground. And so it turns out uh, we haven't gotten any proof of that. We, we contacted the first people, you know, the Native American tri- you know, tri- community that lived along the shores of, the, you know, there in Toronto, and they, they had no evidence. But, but when they were building the ballpark, they did un- uncover a lot of, you know, fishing wares, fishing nets and different things. Um, that were there, so I mean, there definitely was a Native American presence there, uh-huh. uh, which is kind of a cool story. So I mean, it wasn't a ball player story, uh-huh. but you know, there there are several ballparks throughout the majors that where we that we profile that that are at least rumored to be built over Native American cemetery or just cemeteries themselves. Or, well, you know, uh, why? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the best place. What? what? Yeah. Yeah. They can't find another piece of land to build it on? It's local? No, I mean, no, no. That's all owned by some uh, corporation. So. <laughs> my God. I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't think, I, I don't even understand why. Why? Okay, there's a, there's a cemetery here. Why do we have to build a park on top of that? Uh, I think yeah, time and time again it's been proven there's been problems as a result of doing that. I know, ever since Poltergeist, the movie. Yeah, ever since the yeah, movie came I, out, there's I, always I, been problems. I don't know why they keep doing this. That's my you opinion. moved the headstones, but you didn't move the body! You didn't move the body! That's a Actually, they, they they moved two cemeteries, but the Oaklawn Cemetery, there's no evidence of it moving, yeah. of it being moved. And when they were building I-275, the highway, they actually unearthed some bodies. You know, so they knew that some wow. bodies were there, and yet they still went ahead and built the ballpark. And there was a, you know, some controversy, and there was a, one of the city officials was in charge of building the parking lot. You know, he was asked about it, and he and he said, "Well, you know, it shouldn't be a problem because we're not digging; we're just we're just paving paving it over." So. Oh, that's so insensitive! Oh, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's extremely I insensitive. I completely agree. Yeah, no problem. Paving over. We're just paving over them. Yeah. Big deal, you know. Yeah, that's they're is still there, interred, and it was holy ground at some time. So there, they should be. Happy. Did they urinate on it too? Just for good measure? Why? <laughs> I don't mean oh, to sound crass here. <laughs> wow. I mean, did they did they recite from the Necronomicon too? Just just just. I mean, so it just seems really disrespectful to do that. I mean, I know. I mean, yeah, you want to build a really cool baseball park and everything like that, but you know. So you've done so you've done Cape Encounters, contemporary Cape Cod ghost stories at uh, CapeCodGhosts.com, and of course what we've been talking about haunted baseball yeah. ghosts, curses, legends, and eerie events at HauntedBaseball.com. What's next for you? Next is a second volume of Haunted Baseball, um, and possibly a TV show. We're 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 working on. Pushing the idea of that and making some inroads could be really cool. You mean but like one of the second volume? 
You mean like one of those that that that, that they'll play uh, in October kind of thing, where for some reason October is like haunted month. Yeah, well, maybe, on, I imagine that on all the channels. You mean like a special or something, Dan? Yeah, either a special or a series. You know, we got so much material. It's kind of you know, there's just you know, we have so many ballparks that you know that have some some stories attached to them. Not just uh, ballparks, but spring training sites and other diamond, you know, other diamonds and just like different, you know, famous places in the game and so it's kind of a, you know, there's, there's a lot there to it. That would be you know, really it would be refreshing. That, that would be, yeah, I was that, would be that would be very interesting. refreshing to see that because, uh, well, there's a lot of paranormal shows on the air, Dan, as uh-huh. of right now. Um, and yeah. I, yeah, I think we both are on the same wavelength here, Doug, where it would be, you know, let's it'd be push, to see let's something push different. the limit. Yeah. yeah, let's, let's, let's grow beyond the standard, um, yeah. you know, investigation. Night format. vision camera, you know. Pre- and let's tell some stories. Yeah. And speaking of stories. And a specialized topic like haunted baseball, too. Right. And speaking of stories, everybody can go, uh, go to hauntedbaseball.com. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can, uh, look up more information about haunted baseball, ghosts, curses, legends, and eerie events. Uh, and and undoubtedly it's on the like the Amaz- you know the big uh, shopping sites Amazon and BNN dot com and all that stuff Barnes and right, Noble yeah yeah, yeah that too. definitely <laughs> check that out you know ha- baseball again it's 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 an American pastime we all know that uh, no matter who you are what walk of life you're you you you're in here in this country I think that everybody has their own baseball story you know and I don't think everybody has their own baseball ghost story. Uh, but I'd like to see maybe maybe some people have some more experiences that you guys can help Dan out with. Possibly. Yeah, that would be interesting. If, if yeah. anybody went to a baseball park and, and you tried to buy a hot dog from a phantom vendor, or, <laughs> I mean, just anything, you know. Uh, yeah, so that was a phantom vendor. <laughs> <laughs> I, he had I, a long coat on. Is <laughs> <laughs> he like a hot dog from me, son? Oh, my Sorry, God. Dan. He does hot dog at 400 years old. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's really gross. A lot of game guys came to have out-of-body experiences when they hit home runs and they can't remember hitting it and claim somebody was, you know, there was something supernatural happened. Yeah, so there's a lot of bizarre things that happen. In, in, in I think hitting a home run in and of itself, I mean, for when, you, when you're at that level of playing baseball, uh, a professional baseball player, and you hit a home run, that has to be a spiritual experience to do something that cool. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that, that would really kind of like put me out, and you know, on cloud nine, literally to go, wow, I just knocked this ball out of the not out of the park, but in the stands. Yeah, that may be something where it's such a cool. Right, you hit a little girl in the head <laughs> and has a broken nose, and you're like, yay! You know what? Before we go to break, I, I will tell I have my, uh, Lance Parrish again, another Lance yeah. Parrish story. Uh, when I was at Tiger Stadium, nineteen, I think it was eighty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parrish knocked another one out, and three people down for me. My baseball team was at Tiger Stadium. Uh, Bill, Bill, I forgot his last name, but his name was Bill. Took it to the face. Ouch! Broke his nose, knocked a bunch of teeth out of his mouth. Lance Parrish was such a nice guy that he actually took the time out to meet him and autograph everything he wanted to autograph for him and apologize to him for hitting him in the face with the ball. Too. Wow. wow! So there you go. There's, well, I was. Uh, for two games in a row, a bleacher creature. Creature. Yes. Wow. At the old Tiger Stadium we went when we were in, um, when we were in, uh, uh, college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe. And it, it was just an amazing experience. You, Dan. Yeah, we wow. gotta go to break here, Dan. Dan Gordon of HauntedBaseball.com. Fantastic stuff. You keep it up. Because Thank I'm, you, Dan. I'm looking forward to, to Volume 2. And uh, anything you can get on TV, especially, let's liven up October somewhat. Sounds cool. Hang on the line for one second, Dan, all right? Don't leave us just yet. Sure. We're going to okay. go to break, guys. Thank yeah, thank you, Dan. Oh, we're going to go to break here. Coming up, uh, Mr. Stanton Freeman. Oh, yes, we can talk UFOs. I'm Easter. I'm Easter. And I'm going to tell him all about me going to uh, the UFO Festival in, uh, <laughs> in Roswell, New Mexico over 4th of July. I can't wait. We'll be right back after this. Miss a live broadcast? Feel free to download it direct from the on-demand archives at ghostlytalk.com. 